You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Interstate Batteries. Interstate Batteries has been a proud supporter of the Sportsman's Nation since day one. So if you're looking for any type of battery from rangefinders to trail cameras to your truck, car batteries, anything, any type of battery that you can think of, visit your local Interstate Batteries retail location and talk with a battery specialist. For more information about the company and all of the batteries that these guys offer, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Welcome to the Transition Wild Podcast, brought to you by Expedition Archery. I'm your host, Adam Parr, and you're listening to episode number 63, where I cover 2020 elk hunting in Colorado. Hello, and welcome to the Transition Wild Podcast, the number one source for Western big game hunting. As you heard from the intro, this is just going to be myself talking about elk hunting in Colorado during the 2020 season for both archery and rifle seasons. And, and talking about some of the changes that have, you know, come down the pipe with season dates. I cover some of the draw and applications and, you know, strategies for tags and, and you know, what you should do kind of forward thinking while the application period is open. And, um, you know, from there we, we talk, I, I, we, <laughs> I talk uh, about a number of different topics from, you know, planning your hunt and, and scouting and figuring out areas from scratch and as a, as a brand new elk hunter, not knowing the state, not knowing any specifics or, or details or locations. So we talk a lot about that, talk about some gear, talk about physical preparation, um, you know, strategies and uh, scouting, you know, uh, talking about public land and, and what I do and, and how I break down areas and, and just kind of everything in general, but a lot of it's geared around some of the stuff for 2020. Uh, I make some recommendations as far as when to hunt if you're, if you're doing archery or, um, you know, rifle and, and things to be prepared for that have, that you may encounter things differently this year because of some of the season date changes. So I just kind of cover a number of stuff. It's, it's a lot of fun. I, I I enjoyed this. Hopefully you guys can take away a few nuggets. Hopefully it helps you this year on your hunt, especially for the beginner. Uh, never never been hunting in Colorado, never been elk hunting. This this episode is definitely for you. So let's not wait any longer. Let's let's get right into it. 
Before we begin, today's episode is brought to you by Expedition Archery, manufacturer of the world's finest archery experience. Expedition bows combine aerospace level quality, innovative designs, and a fluid feel serious hunters demand. Test drive one today at your nearest archery retailer and view their full lineup at expeditionarchery.com. Why settle for status quo when opportunity and adventure awaits? Make your next hunt an expedition. All right, so here we go. This is a kind of a spin-off episode to the previous podcast I recorded with Kristen Cannon of Colorado Parks and Wildlife, and I had her on the show to talk about the 2020 big game draw and kind of some of the new changes revolving around that for this year. And then we covered a number of kind of gray area uh, law, you know, legality type subjects, which is really cool. I, I really enjoyed that podcast and I learned a lot and I'm planning on doing another episode that kind of dives into that same stuff because I find it really interesting. But for this episode, I, I kind of wanted to to do something along the lines of hunting elk in Colorado for 2020 and and kind of applying and talking about some of these changes that have been coming up and what to do and in planning going forward and getting into your hunt this year. So I'm talking about a number of topics from, you know, the big game draw and, and what you should be doing, um, you know, talking about some of the season dates and the changes revolving around them and how, how maybe that could affect your hunting plans and maybe when you would decide to hunt uh, based on these changes. So we'll talk a little bit about archery and some of the rifle seasons as well. And then I want to talk about scouting and getting into, uh, you know, on using Onyx maps or digital mapping software, um, scouting videos, uh, g- using Google Earth, uh, trying to find different areas and just looking at the picture as a whole and, and kind of breaking it down on, on what to look for based on over-the-counter units and finding different parcels. So we'll talk a little bit about scouting there. And then we'll parlay that into kind of determining your hunting style. Like there's there's a whole bunch of different ways to approach an elk hunt from, from you know, doing it way back in, in the con- uh, backcountry, everything on your back and going in for a week or two weeks, 10 miles in can certainly do that, but you certainly don't have to either. I mean, there's a, there's a number of different hunting styles. So I wanted to highlight some of those and how that pertains to, um, you know, some of the gear that you purchase and, and, and what you need. So we'll talk about different things that are necessities and some of the stuff you can leave at home, depending on what style of hunting you'll be going after. So that's, you know, a, a big topic and, and something that is important to a lot of people because Western hunting gear is, is not cheap. <laughs> so I just kind of give a no bullshit approach on what are the essentials and, you know, what, what can kind of be left at home. And then with that kind of rounding it out is just, just an ass kicking on physical preparation. Not, not a whole lot on that, but uh, just kind of the overall preparation of your body and, and what you should be doing now to help, uh, your hunt here later this fall. So that's, that's kind of what I'm going after. And, and hopefully you guys find this interesting. So as I mentioned, 
the Big Game Draw uh, podcast I just recorded about a week ago. If you're learning or learning elk hunting in Colorado, you should definitely give that episode a listen because we talk about some of the changes there. Now, with that, the when this podcast comes out, the the draw period is still open. It's open till I think it's April seventh. I believe it's the 7th or the 8th. Don't quote me on that. But <laughs> the draw period is still open right now. So if you're trying to draw uh, a tag that's not an over-the-counter or you want to put in for preference points so you can start building points and and you know thinking about the future, you definitely want to go in there and do that. And if you're unsure how to do that, again, listen to that podcast or look at the Colorado Parks and Wildlife Big Game Brochure. You can call the hunt planners. They're so helpful. If you just give them a call, they'll walk you through and and talk you through anything when it comes to the draw. But um, what's cool is that for Colorado, uh, in order to apply for preference points, you just have to buy your habitat stamp, a qualifying license, which is like your uh, get like a small game or a fishing license, and then and then you can start buying your points. If you buy just uh, elk point, you can get into a preference point for around 100 bucks. And then I would recommend if you're looking at hunting mule deer, I know that's not what this topic is about today, <laughs> deer hunting, but uh, for only like 10, 11 bucks, or I mean, it's pretty cheap to add on a deer point as well. So if, you've, if you're just buying that base license and qualifying license and habitat stamp, um, you might as well just throw a deer point on there too. So, uh, that's what I would recommend. There's also going to be a secondary draw in, uh, let's see, June. So you definitely want to hit that up to see what's left over, see what you want to apply for. But if you want to get a preference point, you do have to apply in this first one. And with Colorado, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Uh, it's, and this goes for everywhere, but I would say Colorado more than than anywhere else, I think gets hit the hardest by non-resident hunters just because of the number of over-the-counter opportunities. So break your teeth, or <laughs> not break your teeth, uh, break yourself in the next year or so with some over-the-counter units, learn the game, practice using your gear, but build those points up. And then let's say in 2022 or whatever, or 2021, um, maybe you want to hunt a draw unit or, um, hunt a first rifle or a fourth rifle that, you know, might have, uh, some, some limited entry stuff there. That's not over the counter. And, and you're going to leave a lot of the traffic behind and it, it can make a really big difference. So start building those points. That's all I can say. It's, it's not going to hurt you. And for, hundred bucks a year for the next couple of years. It's, it's definitely well worth it. If, if you, if you really love elk or, or for, uh, for that standpoint, deer in Colorado. So make sure you do that. Uh, one thing to note that for, for when you're coming out to hunt, once a season is open, say you're hunting archery or hunting rifle, once that season has started, you can only purchase an over-the-counter license for elk at a Colorado Parks and Wildlife office location. So if you're coming out on a weekend or whatever and that office is closed, um, you know, you, you might be waiting around till till Monday um, to, to, to buy that license. 
you can buy online and then have it sent to and printed off at a, let's say a Walmart or a sporting goods store. So you can do that as well. But if you get to an area where there's not a lot of service or whatever, um, you know, you might just want to buy, if you know you're coming out, buy your tag before. So purchase it. Uh, you can do that during the draw period. So apply for a preference point, And then you can say, um, you know, send me an over-the-counter uh, archery tag for um, 2020. So you can do that as well. But the main thing is, if you know you're coming out, buy that license before so you're not having to worry about dealing with any of that stuff. So I just I just wanted to note that. Um, let's see. Hmm. Let's see. Oh, uh, one thing I wanted to touch on for... For rifle seasons, I've seen this the past couple years, uh, especially doing the cabin rentals and stuff here in Colorado and having different groups of hunters coming in for rifle. Uh, for second and third season rifle, you can get bull tags over the counter. Now, what I've seen is that people come out and they all buy the over the counter bull tags and, you know, they don't see any bulls, but they might get into some cows. Um, so I would recommend like, let's say you have a, a party of four or six, I'd recommend at least a couple people buy, uh, cow tags or maybe do like a, a 50, 50 split. Now in, in a lot of areas, cow tags are a draw tag, but a lot of times they're left over, uh, depending on the unit, but that might be something you want to consider is maybe, um, you know, splitting it up because usually most cow tags for rifle seasons, unless it's like private land, the cow rifle tags are usually an A tag as well. So an over-the-counter bull is is an A tag um, for rifle and archery, I guess. And then uh, as well as a cow tag for, for rifles. So you can only get one a tag per species per year. I'm just making the recommendation based on what I've seen, uh, you know, make sure maybe you have a, an even split or at least one person has a different tag, because if you're getting into elk and all you're seeing are cows, but all you have are bull tags or vice versa, at least somebody in the group, maybe you can get them on there and, uh, and maybe try to get a shot at one of those bulls. So, uh, or cows, depending on what you're going after. So I, I just recommend splitting up your tags a little bit, doing a little planning, talk with your group right now and, and start thinking about that, especially since the draw application window is open. So with that, there, there, for, for 2020, there's been some season date changes. And what's different, really different for this year with archery season, it doesn't actually open till September 2nd. So it runs September 2nd through the 30th. And it's pretty interesting. I, I feel like if, which I think it's a good thing, uh, later in September, uh, you know, that sometimes the season started like the 23rd, 24th of August and, and man, it can be really hot. So that, that week pushed back or, or more, it's really going to make a a big difference for weather and, and, and better hunting conditions in my opinion. But what makes it interesting is that September 2nd is a Wednesday. So the season opens midweek and on the tail end of the season, September 30th is that it op- or ends on a Wednesday as well. September September 30th is a Wednesday. So 
what I find unique about this year for somebody who maybe wants to do a 10 day hunt and, and not just do like a, a Saturday to Saturday or Sunday to Saturday, something like that. I feel like because the season starts and ends midweek, I feel like there's an opportunity to kind of capitalize on that half week on the tail end and on the front end. So if you're hunting, so in other words, uh, I think opening that first Wednesday, Thursday, Friday could be a little less people than last year, just because, you know, if people are taking a, a week off of work and they they can't get more than a week off of time, you know, you're not going to, you know, take a week off, uh, you know, and, and have to travel and lose some of those days during travel time, not on weekends, uh, only for a week hunt. Um, same thing at the tail end, you might hunt that for last full week. And then if you can stay those extra three days, that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I feel like, you know, a lot of people will be leaving that, that last full weekend, just because again, they, they don't want to take off necessarily two weeks to go to, to get those extra three days in. So something to consider. Uh, I know elk hunting is, especially for beginners, if you don't know what you're doing, you don't have a spot picked out, uh, you don't know the area, that extra couple days can make a big difference. So in my opinion, I feel like 2020 could be a good year to, if you can afford to take off more time, I feel like these years would be a good time to do that just because uh again i think the pressure will be down a little bit on the on the first opening day um you know in those few days following and then again towards the end of the season so something to keep in mind now with rifle seasons second and third rifle uh well all of them i guess but second and third rifle are the -the over-the-counter seasons and those have been pushed back by about a week and I, I also think that's a, it's going to be a good thing for elk hunting. It should be colder weather. One thing I just wanted to mention about that is if you're used to hunting second rifle and it's usually, you know, mid to, you know, like in the early 20s, October, like 21st, something like that, you know, now you're going to be dealing with more of the tail end of October into November. So just be aware that you could be getting into to potentially more snow. And so you want to be prepared that way. Same thing with third rifle. Uh, you know, the, those de- dates have been pushed back as well. So potentially there's going to be more snow than what you're used to. Usually third rifle is a pretty good bet to have snow on the ground. Uh, there have been some seasons that have been really crazy warm, but uh, most of the time there's there's some snow on the ground. So just be prepared for more snow potentially for this year and just colder weather based on getting pushed back a week. I mean, that makes a a, a really big difference. First rifle could be another good option. Again, that's been pushed back as well. It's going to be a little bit colder temperatures. And, you know, one thing about first rifle, I know, I mean, again, it all comes down to leaving the the pressure behind. And uh, first rifle is a draw season. So you'd want to put in for that during the draw. And uh, usually there's not any leftovers for that. But if you put in for first rifle, usually, I, I mean, I've, I've heard of hunters, non-resident hunters drawing that tag for uh, without any points. So it might be something you want to consider too. Uh, first rifle can be good hunting. 
And, um, you know, it's not, you're not going to be usually not going to be dealing with too crazy snowy conditions. So it's a, a good way to get your feet wet with the rifle hunting and, uh, can make it a little bit more accessible depending on where you're going. So something to consider there, uh, for season, I honestly, I've never really hunted it or paid much attention to it, but, uh, usually you're dealing with some pretty, pretty gnarly conditions and, uh, a lot of snow, but again, you can, you can leave, leave a lot of people behind if, if you're prepared to hunt in those uh, conditions and you want to put in for that as well. Cause four season is a draw tag. So I, I, I just wanted to touch base and highlight some of the season dates and how they could affect some of your plans and, and, and what you're doing for 2020. All right. So now that we've kind of got the basics out of the way as far as uh, you know the, the the draw application period and some of the season dates. Next, next, I would really, especially if you don't know, if you've never hunted Colorado before, and you've never, you don't have any inside knowledge or intel from locals or friends or whatever. You want to start the process now of scouting. Well. If you've applied, if you know you're hunting over the counter, you can kind of start that process now. If you're waiting on a draw tag, uh, you know, that you, you potentially might draw, you might wait and hold on off of scouting until you really know which unit you're in. But, um, you know, obviously you can start at a high level and kind of have some options planned. And it never hurts to <laughs> have more, uh, you know, time for preparing and, and finding certain areas. But take the time now to start getting familiar. If you, if you're not already using it, I mean, Onyx maps is, is a no brainer, um, you know, or some sort of digital mapping software that shows you public land boundaries, private land boundaries, unit maps, topo overlays, a way to mark locations. Um, so you'll definitely want to get Onyx maps and become more familiar with that. Um, in conjunction with that, Google Earth is a really valuable asset. I just feel like Google Earth shows you more detail as far as terrain and just better imagery and 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 more maneuverability in there. So I, I really like Google Earth and and with that, I put together. If you just Google, um, you know, digital elk scouting in Colorado, I've I have a really good video that I put on my YouTube page. This was like. I don't know, three, four years ago, but it's still, it's still relevant today. And that basically shows you if, if you don't really know where to start for elk, it, it shows you how to utilize Google earth and download elk species overlays onto Google earth. And that, that allows you to see certain concentration areas of elk based on seasonality. So like it shows you um, you know, for example, summer ranges of, of where elk are at, and that might be more applicable to archery hunters because they're going to be, you know, especially if you're hunting early September, that, that stuff's going to be more in more of their summer habitat. Uh, it also shows you winter overlays as well. So that's going to be more applicable maybe towards the rifle hunters and in that late season. And if you're hunting more of the rut, you know, late September, something like that, you might, you might find a little bit of those areas in between the, the summer areas and the, in the winter areas and, and try to kind of put the pieces together that way. So I, I'm, I'm kind of doing a little bit of everything when it comes to scouting and, and figuring it out this time of the year. 
um, you know, first and foremost, if you're going to, again, if you don't know, you don't have a unit or, or anything picked out yet, you want to go back and reference on the Colorado Parks and Wildlife 2020 big game brochure and, and reference all the potential units that are over the counter. So for example, if you're doing an over the counter archery hunt, I'm going to look at that brochure and, and see what's available for, for over the counter opportunities. And then again, this, this is for the person that really has no idea where to start. I'm going to, if it was me personally, I mean, I live in Colorado, so you know, I hunt areas around where I live and, and, and I take trips as well. I'll drive a couple hours to go hunt a spot or whatever. But, uh, if it was me and I was coming out to Colorado for the first time and I was a non-resident and I didn't know where to go, I would identify those over-the-counter units in more just more remote areas. Like, don't go around Denver. Don't go like closer to to the major uh, metropolitan areas. Um, try to find some kind of just overlooked units. I mean, nothing's really overlooked, but find some of the units that aren't along like major highways or closer to bigger cities and. And maybe start identifying those because, again, pressure is huge in Colorado. And if you got a lot of hunting pressure, it can be it can be really tough. So um, I know that's that's just very generic. But if if I were you, I would just try to find certain areas that are a little bit more off the beaten path and and tougher to get to and aren't outside of a uh, you know, within an hour or so of a, of a big city, if you can, if you can help it. So that would just be my recommendation. And then, um, you know, with, with Onyx, you can start identifying once you've kind of got a unit and, and, and in conjunction with the scouting, the, 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 the overlays and, you know, utilizing Onyx maps, um, really just start finding those, those parcels and, and looking at potential areas to hunt. Um, I've got an article coming out in Bugle Magazine for the May June issue, and the it's it's a cool article. I won't talk about it a lot, but in in some of it, um, I'm talking about finding overlooked areas, and and a lot of what that entails is is finding maybe smaller chunks of BLM land. It might not be a ton of acreage, but it might be the right habitat and it might be the right, uh, mix of, of what they need, um, that keeps people out of there and people just don't go in there. Um, so I'd start looking at, you know, areas that, that might be overlooked. I might look at some areas that I could potentially check out on my way to a hunting area or, um, you know, that you're basically your destination spot. A lot of people come out and they hunt national forest and these bigger chunks of, of, of wilderness and, um, bigger land masses, which is great. You know, I've had success there. A lot of people have success there, but sometimes they, they get caught up in that spot and, um, that's where they're at for a week. And, and if basically all I'm saying is, is have some other options on the board. And, and some of those might be different than what you envision, you know, uh, look at all different types of land options and, and start checking some of those off and, and identifying potential areas to go because there's more than one way to skin a cat. 
there's more than one way to kill an elk. And uh, there's there's areas out there that don't get pressured very much because everyone's going to the big land masses. Um, so keep that in mind. Uh, if you're, as far as scouting, you know, during this episode, I'm not really going to talk a whole lot in detail about, you know, what terrain features to look for and bedding and using topography and food sources and all that. But if you're interested in that, I've, I've already recorded a really good episode. It's actually episode 47. It's called digital elk scouting and (laughs) well, pretty self-explanatory, right? But in there, I, I talk about, you know, once you've, once you've identified your area, uh, where you're going to be hunting, you know, and, and certain options that you're looking at on, on the map, that podcast really breaks down the details, right? So the bedding areas, the feeding areas, uh, topography, finding benches, um, you know, water, all that stuff, access routes, uh, camping spots. I, I talk about all that stuff in detail in episode 47. Um, it's called digital elk scouting. So definitely give that a look. You can go to transitionwild.com. You just search digital elk scouting podcast. It'll pull it up. Or if you just, um, go to my iTunes feed or transition wild podcast, you'll be able to scroll back. I think I recorded that one. I want to say about a year ago, maybe, um, maybe in the summer last year. So not, not quite a year ago, but you'll find it. If you can't shoot me a note, I'll, uh, I'll send that to you. So that, that's a really good episode. If you're looking for more scouting information and Intel specifically to elk. All right. So, um, there's, there's a number of ways that you can go about, uh, your hunting style, right? So, and that, and that's going to determine a number of factors of of what gear you need and and where you're going to stay and and what you need to prepare for. But there's, you know, everyone thinks of elk hunting. Not everyone, but it's becoming more of the rage to do the backcountry bivy style. You know, everything on your back, everything in your pack, and just go hit the woods five ten miles deep and and stay there for a week and, and see what comes of it. And, you know, that's, that's really cool. And I, and I totally recommend doing that at least once in your life. If, if you've never done it, because it's, it's certainly a different experience. Like it's whole, like you gotta, you gotta figure out what experience you're after. And if you want that, like 12,000 feet, 10,000, 11,000 feet, you know, wilderness, rugged terrain, national forest, you can certainly do that, but it's gonna it's gonna take a different um, type of style of hunting and and therefore different gear, which I'll get to in a little bit. But um, it's not the only way to go. I I've found myself the last couple of years really kind of getting into a maybe a little bit more of a hybrid style, I guess, but more along the lines of camping from the road and, and just trying to be more mobile and, uh, or, you know, since I live in Colorado, I can, I can just leave from my house. Uh, granted, I got to leave pretty early, but I mean, I can, I just like the idea of mobility due to the fact that Colorado does get a pretty good amount of hunting pressure. I want to be able to move and, and pick up and go to a totally different spot if this area I've tried out for a couple days is 
is totally dead and it's ridden with hunters. Like I don't want to pinch myself into an area that, you know, may or may not produce. I mean, some years it might be great, but the next year it could be a total dud based on, you know, weather factors. We had a drought this, this past summer, um, forest fires closed down a certain unit. So now everybody's in, in the next door one where you planned on hunting. Um, it's good to have a lot of different options. So I really love, um, camping on the road. And if, if you're driving out, you know, you can bring out a, a, a tent, a wall tent. If you're like a single guy, just doing it by yourself or, you know, with a buddy, I mean, shoot, you could sleep in the back of a, the bed of your truck um, or just throw up a, a little pop-up tent. You don't have to do anything fancy. You don't have to spend a ton of money. And if you've hunted there for a day or so and it's not working out and you're not getting into animals, pack your shit up and go find a different spot. I mean, it's, it's in my opinion, yeah, roads uh, tend to have more road hunters, but um, – you know, elk, elk can be closer than you think. They could be under your nose. Everybody could be driving past a spot that is just, you know, uh, holding elk, but they're, you know, beelining it, tunnel vision up the mountain to a different area. And if you just take your time, you can drive around and glass throughout the day. You can drive around and, and, and rip off some bugles early in the morning or late at night. Um, you know, so there's a lot of different options there and and hunting from the road um you know allows you to do that on the other hand another option would be you know renting um a cabin or finding an airbnb like in town or uh finding a camp a campground to stay at um there there's a lot of different options like if i was flying out let's say i lived on the east coast and i was gonna you know take an airplane out to Colorado. I'm and and I I didn't want to have to bring all this camping gear and, and everything. I might look into, you know, renting a place and, and, uh, going that route. Then you can bring minimal gear, just bring a tote of like your clothes and your pack and your boots and fly with your bow. And, and you can do it pretty minimally. And, and so I would, I would recommend that. I've heard of a lot of hunters getting on Airbnb or VRBO and, and finding a a house that, or some property or a cabin that might back up to, you know, BLM or national forest, or just be in a good area with a lot of different options. You might head West one day, you might head East, you might head North, you might head South, you might drive 10 miles, you might drive 20 miles, you might drive 50 miles, um, you know, to get to a spot. So, uh, that's another option. Um, you know, I do, I do cabin rentals for hunters. Uh, if you haven't checked it out, uh, we're, we're totally booked for this year in all archery and rifle seasons. But if you're thinking 2021, you want to check them out. Um, you can, uh, go to lifetimeadventuresllc.com or just shoot me an email. Uh, if you want more information on the cabins, it's a really great option for kind of DIYers, but coming back to a nice place and a bed, uh, you know, rustic for the most part, but you know, it can't beat a warm fire, a place to cook and a place to lay your head down at night on a, on a nice bed mattress <laughs> out of the elements in the rain and the, and the wind and the snow. So it's, uh, you know, something like that is, is, is kind of a true gem for public land hunting, but 
with some of the amenities uh, from home. So definitely hit me up. It's 10,000 feet uh, elevation surrounded by national forest, beautiful landscape, beautiful terrain, and some really good elk hunting as well. So if you're interested, shoot me an email, adam at transitionwild.com, or you can just fill out the contact form on my website and just reference Colorado elk hunting cabins. And I'll be more than happy to talk with you. Um, so sorry about that plug, but thought I'd let you know. So along with hunting style, if if you guys haven't listened to the episode with Jared Scheffler, um, definitely do that. Like if you're if you're really intrigued by kind of more of a mobile hunting style and just like covering a lot of ground and driving and glassing and kind of, you know, viewing from afar and picking the country apart before then you, you know, then go in and, and, and get after those elk, give that episode a listen. It's podcast episode 43. Um, basically elk hunting, you know, uh, elk hunting tips with Jared Scheffler. Most of you probably know him from whitetail adrenaline. He's the, and if you watch those videos, I mean, they are the masters of driving around in public land finding deer and you know they might put on 200 miles in a day just driving around trying to find deer and if they find one that that they like they'll they'll go in and 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 get after it they do the same thing with their elk hunting and it works beautifully and jared has a ton of tips ton of knowledge ton of information and a lot of good stories in that podcast episode so if you're looking for an edge and looking for some more information on kind of more of a mobile road hunting, you know, uh, style, definitely give podcast number 43 a listen with Jared Scheffler. I promise you, yeah, you won't be disappointed on that one. All right. So talked a lot about scouting and, and hunting styles. And, and, and with that, uh, comes some of your, your gear and and what you're going to need. And, and, and again, that's very dependent on, the type of hunting that you're going to do. But the two basics, in my opinion, that everybody needs and everybody, although there's variations to, again, to, to these, but, um, you know, boots are, are probably the, the number one thing. And depending on it, I mean, if you're hunting more of a late season rifle, I would probably have something with a little insulation and maybe a higher, you know, a higher boot that might come up, you know, to your shins, um, you know, just because of the snow and, and what you're going to be dealing with there and, and maybe some more of the support. If you're hunting, uh, maybe early archery, you know, you might be able to get away with not much more than just a a normal hiking boot or, (laughs) I mean, I have some of my buddies just wear like Solomon tennis shoes. I mean, they're kind of more hiking tennis shoes, but I mean, you can get away with that if it's not going to be like, crazy rain and and you're not dealing with you know a lot of cold weather I mean you can get by with just a normal hiking boot and and that's perfectly fine it if you're hunting if you decide hey I'm gonna hunt a lot of these lower elevation areas it's not really too you know much crazy steep terrain you know you you probably don't need the the most technical you know hard sold most support uh, hunting boot. I mean, you can get away with something a little bit cheaper. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of different things to consider there, but whatever you go with and whatever you decide on, 
make sure i mean you just got to break them in you got to you got to <laughs> buy those boots now so you can start using them walking with them using it in your training and just break them in because i see a lot of guys come out and their and their feet are just shot because um you know they're they're just blistered up and they're hurting after uh, a couple days of pounding the mountain and and uh so whatever you do buy your boots buy them now and start breaking them in so that's number 1 number 2 is is your is your pack and again a lot of this is going to be dependent on your hunting style if you're doing your backcountry 5 miles in you're not coming back to the truck for a week well you're going to need something that can haul your camping gear all your food all your uh, you know, cooking stuff, anything you might need. Uh, so you're going to need a, a, you know, a good supportive pack, but also a lot of storage and a lot of room to put all that gear in. If you're going to be doing more of a, you know, camp by the road and, and, you know, day hunts from there, you know, you can get by with a little less. And, and, and what I like, I, I run the mystery ranch Metcalf. It's, uh, well, the Metcalf is the bigger version. Um, Gosh, I can't remember the the smaller smaller version that I run. Oh, the Mule. Um, it's the same frame system. You can switch the pack on and off the same frame system. But I find myself running the Mule, which is the smaller, you know, very small um, compact bag, uh, just because I don't I don't need to bring a lot of stuff, and and it keeps me lighter weight, keeps me more mobile. And, and doesn't bog me down, but it still has a meat loading shelf. If I do kill something or, you know, need to haul out a lot of weight, I've, I've, I've still got that capability. Like when I, when I was doing my Oklahoma, uh, public land, uh, deer hunt in 2018, I packed out an entire deer, um, you know, just with that smaller, mule pack and that was just due to the frame and kind of how their design is so um, whatever you go with just make sure it meets your style and and if you're not doing the bivy you know way back in and and you need your entire camp and and sleeping stuff all on your back uh, less is more Uh, it really is so definitely don't go with a huge pack you don't you don't need it if you're going to be hunting from town or hunting from, uh, you know, being able to come back to the truck each day to, to make dinner and, and sleep or whatever. Um, I, I feel like that's the way to go. Less is more. You don't need the, the, the craziest pack out there and, and, and save some money too. I mean, you don't, you don't need to go, um, all out. So I, I definitely boots and pack, uh, buy that stuff now, become familiar with your pack by, uh, you know, using it, take it camping on the weekends during the summer, just get used to how you're going to be loading that thing up and, uh, you know, with your gear, what, what you need to get access to really quickly and start thinking about some of that stuff. So get those items now, if you don't already have them and, uh, you know, start, the sooner the better it's it's only gonna (laughs) it's only gonna help um the other thing I guess you know I used to put a lot more emphasis on on this stuff um when I started out and um I guess it's still it all comes back to your hunting style and and what I'm referring to here is your clothing if you're doing you know some late season stuff or uh you are doing you know pretty remote 
hunts with everything on your back, then, you know, I, I would definitely put some more money in, into some clothing and some, some technical gear. However, if you are more, again, the, the road, road style hunting, more mobility, uh, you're able to come back every night to a truck or a cabin or a house in town. Um, you know, I, I don't, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm just being uh, a little bit old school here, but I don't, I don't think you need the, the, the highest end, uh, gear in, in regards to clothing. I think you can get by just fine with what you already have in, in your whitetail setup. And, um, the only thing I would consider buying if, if you don't want to spend a lot of money, but something that would be really useful as far as clothing, I would buy maybe some good, like base layers or something that is very moisture wicking, like, like not definitely not anything like cotton or whatever, but something like uh, a decent amount of base layer uh, options. So you've got something that, you know, wicks away moisture and is not going to hold that. Uh, that makes a big difference, whether you're hunting early archery when it's hot or rifle season, when you're pounding the mountain, um, you're going to sweat. So I feel like those base layers make a, make a big difference. So I, I would look into some of that stuff. If you're going to buy any, any clothing in regards to Western hunting, uh, on that side. So, uh, you don't need to go over the top by any means, but, uh, you know, get, do what you can afford and, and, and look at, uh, use stuff. I mean, look online. There's, there's a lot of good places that are running deals of last year's stuff. You can pick some of that stuff up now. So, uh, the sooner the better on, on all of this. And, and what's cool is if, if you're going to be doing more of the, the mo- mobile road hunting stuff, you don't need all the, the crazy camping gear sometimes, especially if you're going to be renting a cabin or a house or, I mean, you, you, you definitely don't need the lightest weight tent and, um, the tarps and, um, all the, the, the most, uh, yeah, super down negative 50 degree sleeping bag. I mean, you can get by without that stuff, depending on the style you're hunting. So there's, I could, you could talk gear till the, till the sun comes home from, uh, binoculars to optics, to, uh, arrows, to your bow, to, what essentials you need in your pack to what you're packing for food. I mean, we could talk about that forever, but, um, you know, the, the basics are what you really need to focus on. Uh, everything will fall into place. If, if you have a chance, uh, Rocky mountain elk foundation has a really good gear packing list. If you just go to rmef.org and you search gear list, um, that is a really good, really good checklist because it kind of breaks it down based on length of hunt and, and what you're doing. So that'll cover all your essentials and kind of basics and, and some of the stuff that we're just not talking about here. So start thinking about the gear right now. And in conjunction with that physical preparation, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that you need to be the most in shape and you need to start training now and and try to be the super athlete because you don't that the main thing is is just try to be in the best shape as possible before you come out and do that hunt myself last year I was totally out of shape I had my first uh, 
uh, first child, uh, Everett, he was born at the end of August. So my, my elk hunting plans were really, or at least for archery were pretty limited. So I, I, and I was just tired, you know, dealing, we moved, we, uh, fixed up the house, had, had the baby and, uh, you know, not getting a lot of sleep. And I, I really just lacked on my nutrition and, and physical activity. But, uh, when my brother came out to hunt, during I think the second week maybe first or second week of September I went out with them for a couple days and I you know and I hung up I hung on and I you know I I did pretty well but by the end of that second day I was just I was just trashed I had like a headache I had my my body was so achy I just was not prepared at all and that's a testament I mean I live I live in this environment I live at higher elevations. I'm used to the the you know lower oxygen levels, but I still got my ass kicked because I was I I just was not in shape. So whatever you can do right now is only going to help you in the future. And I can tell you that someone who's out of shape when it comes to elk hunting in the mountains is going to be an unmotivated elk hunter. And and what I mean by that is is, you know, yeah, you might be able to hang for the first day or two, but that midweek, uh, you're going to be struggling, uh, for sure. And, you know, that's going to affect how many miles you can cover. That's going to affect how alert you are. That's going to affect, uh, your mental capacity as far as, you know, not getting too down on yourself. Cause it's going to be tough. I mean, it's going to be, it's, it's not a, it's not an easy run. It's not an easy week. Uh, so I feel like an out of shape, Hunter is an unmotivated hunter, and if you're unmotivated, you're just not going to be uh, the best you can be. And uh, you know, you might you might turn down. Ah, well, I could go one more ridge over. Or I could go up. I feel like that spot up there could be pretty good. But do I want to hike up there? Eh, you know, uh, I'm I'm not feeling too good. Let's uh, let's turn around and go the other way. That's what happens. I mean, I, I've been there. I've been there firsthand and I've seen that and I've, I've dealt with that myself. So, uh, be the best you can be. And, uh, whether that's hitting the gym or walking, you know, just walking in your boots and wearing your pack and doing that stuff. Uh, I know one, one thing that really helped me a couple years ago was when I signed up, I signed up for a half marathon and that marathon was, set for like middle or, uh, yeah, around mid August. And you know, that by signing up and, you know, I got some buddies together and we, we signed up for this marathon or half marathon by, you know, paying the registration fee and putting that on the calendar. I mean, that's really good motivation for, for, you know, getting in shape for elk hunting. And if you do something like that, maybe it's not a half marathon, maybe it's a 5k, maybe it's a 10k. Um, maybe it's, a, a some sort of crazy hike that, that you do and plan with your buddies as far as like a, a, a weekend camping trip, whatever it is, stuff like that can really help you get motivated and, and give you a goal to, to really focus on. Um, and a, and a timeline, I can tell you when I, when I did sign up for that half marathon, uh, by, by the time elk season came rolling around at the end of August, I was probably the best shape I, I had ever been in 
for for elk season. So um, stuff like that works. So I'd, I would definitely encourage doing something along those lines. Whatever you can do, it's only going to help. All right. I Hopefully this wasn't too rambly for you guys. I'm just kind of speaking from experience. I just wanted this to be talking head of me just being real with with you know thinking about 2020 plans and elk hunting in Colorado a lot of different options a lot of different ways to go about it but if you start now apply for your tags uh, buy some preference points um, you know start scouting start checking out areas talk to I mean call parks and wildlife talk to some biologists talk to you know, local land managers in that area. I mean, there's a lot of different things you can start doing right now. Uh, gear prepping, uh, physical fitness, all the above. The point of this podcast and the timing-wise, start now because September is going to roll up quick. October is going to roll up quick. And next thing you know, we'll, we'll all be on the mountain chasing elk. And, uh, you know, you really you really have to start now in order to be the best elk hunter you can be. So hopefully you got a few um, things from this that you can take away and and hopefully it helps you on your hunts this fall. If you're a brand new elk hunter, I haven't done one of these episodes in a while, but um, you know, if last year was your first season and you learned a lot or this year is your first season and you know, you're, kind of going through this planning and prepping process right now and trying to figure it all out and you go on a hunt this fall and have some success or even not have success if you had a cool experience and something that you'd like to talk about on the podcast definitely hit me up I'd, I'd love to have you on I love having uh, guys and gals on the show that that are just you know doing it from scratch and, and figuring it out themselves on a DIY public land hunt and that's fun so if you if you're interested in doing that you think you got a good story and you want to share it send me an email adam at transitionwild.com or just fill out the contact form on transitionwild.com on the website so i'd love to hear from you all right i think that is it i'm not even going to do an outro on this podcast so with that i'd like to thank our partners Expedition Archery, Skull Brew Coffee, and Outdoor Edge Knives. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll talk to you soon.